We've been in a series called I Am, and we're talking about, like, who is God? What is he like? What does he do? This is important because I think that a lot of people misunderstand who God is. They have a misunderstanding of what he does and how he acts. And if we have a misunderstanding of those things, then we're going to misinterpret what he wants to do in our life. If we see him as a hard taskmaster who is in heaven waiting for us to mess up, then we're going to live with a lot of fear and we're going to live with a lot of condemnation. Anybody ever dealt with that in your life? You know, like you mess up just a little bit, Lisa, and you feel like, okay, where's the lightning strikes coming? And I better get my life right before I go back to church. You know what I'm saying? Like there are people who will stay away from church because they feel like, you know what, I got to get my life right. Then I'll go to church and I'll start on the back row. And then as I get better, I'll work my way to the front. So for those of you sitting on the back row, we know who you are. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding with you. But, you know, we, all, we have all of these misconceptions, misunderstandings of who God is. And so our desire through this series is to see who is he? Who does he say that he is? And we started off with his introduction to Moses where he says, my name is I am that I am. That means I do what I do. I be what I be. I am the one who existed before all things. I am the one who created all things. I am the one who sustains all things. Turn to the person next to you and say, he is who he is. And then last week we started going into the different I am statements of Jesus. And this is a big deal. I want you to get this. When Jesus says, I am, fill in the blank, this is a public declaration that I am God. That, that title, the name that God gave himself when he said I am, was such a holy name to the people of Israel that they would not even say it because they didn't want to accidentally take his name in vain. So when Jesus comes on the scene, he starts saying I am, it ticked a lot of people off. And ultimately, I want you to understand, that is why they killed Jesus. They didn't just kill Jesus because they didn't like him. They killed Jesus because this guy is walking around telling people that he is God. So we're going to start off this morning in John, the eighth chapter, with verse 12. Jesus says this, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. I am the light of the world. Whoever, the turn of the person next to say whoever. That means you, baby. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Growing up, every Saturday, my family would go to lunch, and then we would go see a movie. This was a part of our routine. Every Saturday, this is what we did. As a matter of fact, we did it even up into the years where I got married. Every Saturday, we'd go eat lunch. We would eat lunch at the same place, and then we would go see a movie. And it wasn't like any particular movie. It wasn't like, oh, the new Terminator's going, coming out. We're going to go see a movie. It was like whatever movie happened to be on at that time slot is what we saw. And so we saw a lot of interesting things. I probably saw some things that I shouldn't have seen at my age, but hey, that's what we did. That was our family tradition. 
But what was so funny about it is we would go into the theater, you know, we would have our little snacks. What's your favorite like, movie tonight? Just shout it out real quick. One, two, three. Milk Duds. I used to love Milk Duds, but buddy, I could throw down on some gummy bears. You know what I'm saying? And so we'd get our snacks and we'd be sitting there. We'd go through the credits and then the movie would fire up. About 10 minutes into the movie, you'd turn around and look at my dad and he'd be out, sleeping through the movie. And then he would have the audacity to say, that movie wasn't very good. I mean, I'm talking about like award-winning flicks, like Castaway, which was an amazing movie. Dad woke up and said, that movie wasn't very good. He said it should have had more shark attacks. And I'm like, shark attacks? There would have been no Castaway that survived. Like, you can't have a shark attack. And so Dad slept through movies. Um, and the problem is, I somehow inherited this gene. So now that I'm a little bit older, when I go to the movies, I'm good for about 10 minutes, and then I am out. And the biggest problem is that I am a snorer, <laughs> which is okay for me because I sleep through it. But my kids or my friends that go with me, they are highly embarrassed. And sometimes I'll actually wake myself up snoring. Has anybody ever woke yourself up snoring? No. <laughs> And I'll wake up in the midst of this movie, like this high-impact scene. Everybody's on the edge of their chairs, like they're just drawn into this moment of the movie. And I'm like, I have no idea what's going on because I've been asleep for most of the film. What I want you to see is in John 8, when Jesus says, I am the light of the world, we're seeing a scene from a movie that has been playing for a really long time. And so you can catch the part where he stands up and says, I'm the light of the world, and you can be like, that's pretty cool. But unless you have seen the movie, you don't understand what's really taking place in the scene. You're not going to understand the significance of the moment where Jesus declares, I am the light of the world. So what I want to do is I want to rewind the movie for a moment. Turn to the person next to you and say, be kind, rewind. How many of y'all remember that? It's because you're old. <laughs> you know, just side note, like it's amazing to me how far technology has come. Like when I used to go rent movies when I was a kid, we would rent Laserdisc. Now I had to explain to my child the other day what a CD was. She had no concept of a CD. And so I want to rewind the movie. I want to go back a long time before Jesus was born. This is a long, long time ago for us. So in the person next to you, say, this is a long time. So what happens is God's people, ends up, they end up in slavery and in captivity in Egypt. And so God calls to Moses. He introduces himself, says, I am who I am. I want you to go lead my people out. And so God does some incredible miracles. There's a lot of signs that you can go through. And God ultimately brings Israel out of bondage, out of slavery, and he takes them on this journey to the promised land. So after this happens, which is big, because they've been in slavery for almost 400 years. Like everybody you know is a slave your parents were slaves, your grandparents were slaves, your great-great-grandparents, they're all slaves. And now we are free. 
And so to celebrate this moment, every year they would throw a feast called the Feast of Tabernacles. Now at this feast, they would celebrate by doing these different rituals. Uh, one of the things that they would do is they would pour water on the altar of God. And the water they poured out during the feast, every day they would pour out this water and it represented salvation. It represented their deliverance. It represented we are no longer in bondage, now we are free. It also represented their new birth. It's like we've become a whole new people. Like we were this people who were slaves, but now we're this people who are free. We were these people who were like, like looked down on and put down, but now we walk and live with the favor of God. And so this water being poured out on the altar was to celebrate their deliverance. Another cool thing that they would do is they would light these giant candelabras that could be seen for miles around. And the significance of this candelabra was to remember when God led them through the wilderness at night with a pillar of fire. To follow that light was literally to follow the Lord. So when we get to John 7 and we get to John 8, we are now in the temple during this feast that is taking place. And Jesus arrives on the scene where they're pouring out the water and they're celebrating their salvation, they're celebrating their new birth. And I want you to see what Jesus says to them in John 7, verse 37. It says, on the last day of the feast, that's the Feast of Tabernacles, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. You want to talk about the water on the altar that brings salvation? I am the water, baby. I am the water that will satisfy your thirst. I am the water that truly brings new birth. Everything that you went through then that you are celebrating now was nothing more than a sign pointing to me. How many of you have ever driven somewhere? What do we have on the road? Road what? Signs. And you'll see a sign that says, this way to Disneyland. How many of you understand that sign is not Disneyland? You could park your car at the sign and take your kids out and say, welcome to Disneyland. And they're going to look at you like, you are crazy. Because that sign is not Disneyland. That sign is pointing you to Disneyland. So what Jesus is trying to get us to see and what John, the writer of this book, is trying to show us through his entire narrative is all of these signs that happened then were not the thing. It was pointing to the thing. And Jesus is clarifying that the thing is him. He is the water. He is the one that brings new birth. He is the only one who could bring salvation. So now, now you're starting to get the context of this. There's the water on the altar. Now you've got these giant candelabras. Every day they would have to light them because the candle would burn out. Now Jesus is walking in the temple. 
during this feast, where these candles are that reminded them of the fire in the wilderness that led them at night, and I can see Jesus looking at them. As everybody's celebrating, everybody's dancing, and he goes, you want to talk about these candles? I am the light of the world. You thought it was the fire that led you through the wilderness, but I am the God that was in the fire. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. He's trying to tell them that I am the one who brought you out of bondage and into freedom. I am the one who took you from this place to the new place, and I am still the God who wants to take you into something new. I want to take you into something that you cannot do for yourself because on your own, you are in darkness. And the only way you can see is to have the light. And I am the light. I'm the light that brought you out. I'm the light that sees you through. And I'm the light that takes you into something new. I want you to see this. Jesus takes us out. We go back to the wilderness. He takes Israel out of bondage. But Jesus does not just take you out of something and leave you hanging. He brings you out of something to take you into something better. Somebody say something better. But not does he, he doesn't just bring us out to take us to, he also lights our way as we wander through. How many of you know that life's a journey? Where God ultimately wants to take you will take your lifetime to get there. It will take your entire life to fulfill what God wants to do in you and through you because every day of your life he's taking you through a process and a grooming to become who he has called you to be so that you can do in this moment what he's called you to do, which sets you up for this moment where you can do what he's called you to do, where it sets you up for this moment to do what he has called you to do. Are you following what I'm saying? And so he wants them to know, I don't just bring you out, I don't just take you to, but I also bring you through, which is wonderful news to know that I serve a God who is with me in the process. I'm not walking around on my own. I'm not living in darkness, but his word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. What is his word? I should say, who is his word? Jesus. In the beginning was the word. So you got to get this. John is making so many different connections. When, when the psalmist says, thy word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path, John wants you to know that thy word is Jesus. He was the word in the beginning. In the beginning, he was the light that showed up before the sun. When God said, let there be light, what happened? Light happened. It wasn't the sun. It was his presence. And so there's all these connections to light that brings us out of darkness. So the person next to say, light brings us out of darkness. Immediately when light happens, darkness leaves. Think about that. If we turned off every light in this room, turned off the television, it would be pitch black. 
But the moment the light switch hits, darkness leaves. And Jesus wants us to see that he is the one that drives the darkness out of our life. To another person next to that, he drives it out of my life. <laughs> Several years ago, my wife and I went on a uh, excursion, if you will, for one of our anniversaries. And we went to this thing called Dialogue in the Dark. And basically the gist is they bring you into this building and they turn off all the lights. I mean, it is pitch black. There's no way for you to navigate through this space. So they give you a guide who is blind. This person has spent their life in the dark, and so they know how to navigate the dark. And so they're telling you, hey, come this way. Now take this many steps, now turn left, and they'll take you from room to room. And as you get into these rooms, they'll tell you, okay, now what we want you to do is we want you to use your ears. We want you to use all of your senses other than your sight to try to figure out where you are. And so you'll stand there and you'll listen and you'll feel around and hope you don't touch anyone inappropriately. <laughs> and at the end of the room, they say, well, you're in a grocery store. And you go, oh, wow. That makes sense now. I could hear the buggy. Then they take you into the next space and they say, okay, we want you to listen, feel around. And so you go through the thing and you have no idea where you are. I mean, you've got like, you can put like little pieces together, but you have no idea. And they'll take you and at the end of the room, they'll say, you're in the street. You're in New York City. And you're like, wow, now I get it. I'm in New York City. And on and on, they're taking you through these rooms and they're telling you where you are. And you don't know any different because you can't see anything. And you're at the mercy of the guide who is blind. And what I thought about the other day, because it was an amazing experience, and if you ever have an opportunity to do it, you should do it. But Lindsay, I was thinking about it. I was like, you know what? I was not in a grocery store. I was not in New York City. I was in a room. It probably looked like this room, just the lights were off, and they had speakers playing different noises to make me feel and believe like I was somewhere that I'm really not. And what you have to understand is this, darkness deceives. Darkness will tell you that things are one way when it really is not. Darkness will tell you it's good when it's actually bad. Darkness will tell you it's okay when it's not okay. And the problem with darkness is it does not lead to a path of life. It leads to a path of destruction. And if you remain on the path, there is only one end. Are you following what I'm saying? And here's the thing that you have to understand about darkness. You do not know you are in darkness until you see light. Think about that. Until the lights are turned on and you realize I'm not where I need to be, this is not really New York City, you have no idea. You are at the mercy of your guide, and that guide is not good. Turn to the person next to you and say, that guide is not good. As a matter of fact, that guide is blind. You know what the Bible says about the blind leading the blind? Basically, it turns out real bad. 
If the blind lead the blind, you're surely going to wind up in a ditch. Why? Because you're walking in darkness, and the one leading you is walking in darkness, and it deceives, and you don't know you are deceived until the lights are turned on. That's really the biggest problem with deception. You believe it's true until you find out it isn't. Years ago, I saw a movie called Somewhere in Time with Christopher Reeves, who was the best Superman ever, in my opinion. And in this movie, I remember seeing it when I was a little boy. In this movie, Christopher Reeves, he's traveling through time, but he ends up sitting at the end of the movie staring out a window where he dies. He dies as he's staring out the window. He starts turning like a bluish green, and he dies. Well, my little mind interpreted that as he stayed up all night, and because he stayed up all night, he died. And for years... I needed to make sure that I was in bed by a certain time because I didn't, I didn't know where the threshold was of death. I mean, is it 12.15? Is it 12.30? Is it like I'm getting a midnight snack and then, uh-oh, it's too late, blah, you're dead? <laughs> but uh, this is true. For years, Bob, I thought if I stayed up too late, I was going to die because I saw it in a movie and that's what I thought was happening. I became a prisoner trapped by my own deception. That's the problem with deception, is you think it's true until you find out it isn't. I wonder how many of us are walking in darkness and we don't even realize it's darkness. We just think it's normal and we've learned how to navigate it. Culture tells us, hey, this is okay. And we go, must be okay. Lisa's doing it. I'll do it too, you know. And we're just learning to navigate the darkness, not realizing it's taking us somewhere. That's the thing you have to understand about a path. A path will take you somewhere as long as you remain on that path. And there are only two paths. There is a path that leads to life, and there is a path that leads to destruction. And what Jesus wants us to know is he makes known to us the path of life. He is the one who illuminates the path. He brings us out of darkness and shows us the path. Here's the other thing you have to understand about darkness. Not only does it deceive, but all of us have been in darkness. Not me, pastor. Well, here's your sign. <laughs> the fact that you think you've never been in darkness proves that you are still in darkness. I can look back on my life in moments where I thought everything was okay, and I realize now that I've seen the light, Denise, I was in the dark. I thought I knew, but I didn't really know. We are all in the dark until we come to the light. What is the light? Jesus. Watch this in Ephesians, the second chapter. Verse 1, the Bible says, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins. This is every single person. You were dead. He, he's, he's speaking to believers here. Now that you believe, you're alive, but you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. Following the course of this world, following the path of the world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, 
among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Why? Because we were born into darkness. Let me explain something to you. The moment you breathe your first breath, you are born into darkness. You don't become dark, you are dark. You do not become a sinner through what you do, you are born a sinner. Paul here in his letter is wanting us to have this reality that this is how all of us came into this world. We were not children of God, we were by nature children of wrath. That's why when people come to me with certain situations and they say, say, well, this just seems the way I am wired or I was born this way, I don't argue with them because they were. They were born into darkness just like I was born into darkness. The difference is they have not yet seen the light that leads them in the path of life. Are you following what I'm saying? We are all sinners. The Bible teaches that we all fall short of the glory of God. That means we are all in need of a Savior. And listen, no matter what you do, you cannot save yourself. Darren, you can never be your own light. See, sometimes we think light is morality. Light is not morality. Light is Jesus. Jesus will bring morality into your life, but morality will never bring the light. Are you following what I'm saying? See, some of us grew up in a religion to where we think it's all about this checklist of the things that we do. If I do this, I'm in the light. If I do this, I'm in the dark. If I go to church every Sunday, I'm in the light. And if I get my hair too long, I'm in the dark. And we think this way. It's all about what I do. You've got to understand, you could go to church every Sunday. You could feed all the hungry people. You can give people that don't have homes to live in a home to live in. You can be kind to your neighbor. You can do all of these things and still be in the dark because there is only one light. And Jesus clearly states, I am the light of the world. He's telling this to a group of people who are celebrating a religious feast. He's not telling this to people who don't, have never heard of God, never walked after God. He's telling this to the people who are in the church thinking that they're okay because of what they do. And he says, you are in the dark. I am the light. So this is who we were before Christ. So the person next to you say, that's who you are, baby. Until you come into Christ, you are dark. We're all a part of the darkness. But it goes on to say in the fourth verse of Ephesians 2, but God. My dad would say, I love when God throws his butt in. He doesn't talk like that. I don't know why I gave him that accent. My, dad, <laughs> my dad's like hillbilly. I love when God throws his butt in. <laughs> but God being rich in mercy. Because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, even when we were walking in darkness, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. What happened? He turned the lights on. You didn't turn the lights on. He turned the lights on for you. 
because of his love towards you. Because he loves you, he pulls you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Not because of anything that you've done. Do you realize that the children of Israel did not deserve to come out of bondage? He brought them out of bondage because he honors his word and he told Abraham, I'm going to make a people. And they're going to be my people. And I'm going to bless this people. And this people is going to see my favor. They're going to see my goodness. They're going to see my mercy. And through this people, I'm going to bring a king. I'm going to walk among them as a king. The problem is when the king showed up, they missed it even with him saying, I'm the light. I'm the water. I'm the bread. Taking them all back to these moments in their history, and he's saying, I am the one. But the problem is, sometimes when we are in darkness, we prefer the darkness as opposed to the light. Because the light exposes. And many times we don't want to be exposed. Because we think if we're exposed, we'll be rejected. I want you to understand this. The light of God does not expose you to reject you. The light of God exposes you so that he can receive you. It is loving to be exposed. It is loving to know the truth. I often thought, Darren, if there was, you you probably don't watch Westerns. You don't strike me as the kind of kid that sits around and watches John Wayne. But these Western movies, they would ha- sometimes they would have these trains and like the bad guy would go blow out the track where the bridge is and the train is going to go over the cliff and everybody on the train is going to die. And I thought, I, when I think about this scenario where everybody's on a train, they're about to die, but they don't know it. They're having a good time. They're celebrating They're partying. Maybe some people are going on their honeymoon. Maybe some people are going out west to strike it rich, to find some gold. Who knows why they're there, but they're all having a good time. The problem is the bridge is rolling out. Is it loving to say, you know what? I know the bridge is blowing out, but they're having such a good time. Just let them be. Just let them do what they're doing, man. Is that loving? Or is it loving to ride a horse beside them going, the bridge is blown out. (laughs) Jump! (laughs) Jump! What's loving? See, sometimes when the truth comes out, we go, man, you need to shut your mouth. Nobody can judge me except for God. Well, he will. That's the problem. He will. At some point in time, he will judge you unless you allow him to bring you out of darkness and into his marvelous light because there is a bridge blown out and you and I were on our way towards destruction, but his goodness says, I'm going to put you on the path of life. If he's been good to you like that, why don't you just put your hands together and celebrate it? So he brings us out. He brings us out. He sees us through. He's taking us into something. He brings Israel out of bondage into the promised land, but there is a process in between called the wilderness. And here's what you've got to understand about this process time where he sees us through. 
there will be a process. There's no way around it. But what happens in the process and how long the process takes for us is determined by us. It's determined basically by how well we follow. He says, I am the light of the world. Those that follow me will not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. The, the, the idea is, I will order your steps, but you got to follow my direction. I will make known to you the path of life, but you've got to walk it out. I will order your steps, but you've got to follow the directions. Because how good is the path of life if we're not going to walk in it? Now, I'm not talking about salvation here. I'm talking about those of us who have come into Christ. We realize he is the light of the world. He is my hope. He is my salvation. But now he's taking me somewhere. And how quick I get there and what I enjoy on the way there is determined by how well I follow him on the path. You have to understand that the God's design for your life and the path for your life that he has for you is the best. Where we mess up is when we decide, you know what, I'm going to do it my own way. This weekend, I had to do a wedding in Ballground, Georgia, and the GPS took me on all of these back roads. And then I got to this place to where I took a right, and then it told me to take another right, and then it said, when you get to this road, take a right. And I thought, that road sounds really familiar. Sure enough, I made a circle. <laughs> and I'm trying to get to this wedding. So I make the circle, and I'm sitting there, so I'm like, okay, and it's telling me to take another right, so I take another right. Then I go up to this place, and I take another right, and then it tells me to take a right on a road that's familiar. And I'm like, this is not good. <laughs> this is not good. What I found out later that I did not know in the moment was I was making a right on my own that it wasn't asking me to make, <laughs> and it kept on recalculating me. Are you following this? When God brings Israel out of bondage into the wilderness, it took them 40 years to get into the land that God promised them. The journey should have only taken about 10 days. But it was because of their stubbornness and not being willing to follow the light that got them stuck on the path. He will lead you, but you've got to follow. Years ago, my dad would tell me before I'd make a decision, he'd say, son, you're big enough to make your own decision now, but let me tell you where this is going to take you. And I learned, if I listened, good things happened. If I thought, oh, that man don't know what he's talking about, bad things happen. He was trying to lead me. I had somebody write me this week because I sent out an email asking for prayer requests. And the response was from an individual who is not in the room. So if you sent an email to me, just relax. I'm not talking about you. So I know somebody in here is going to make this about them. But they asked me to pray for a certain situation that was happening in their life. And I was like, yeah, I sure will. And I told them this. I said, God makes a way where there seems to be no way. I said, but once he shows you the way, you've got to walk in it. I said, and that's the tough part. 
And the sad thing is what I realize about this individual is they know the way they should be going. They're choosing to not walk in the way, and now they're frustrated with the outcome. And it's like, man, I wish I could just like hop into your body and make a few decisions because we could, we could course correct really, really, really easily. I mean, there are things that God is asking for you to do that you are just blatantly not doing, and now that things are falling apart, you're wanting to go, hey, can God help? God has helped. He has made known the path of life. You are just not walking on it. Does that make sense to you? I wonder how many of us circle life because we simply won't walk on the path. His path is the best. His path for relationship and marriage is the best. His path for finances and relationships, put it in the blank, every path that he has for you is the best. We malfunction when we determine, you know what, I'd rather do it my own way. But today he is standing and he's telling every single person in here, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness. For some of you, that is a word because you are actually in darkness right now. And today is the day that you need to step out of darkness and into his marvelous light. For some of you, you've already come out of darkness. But you are still not walking in the path that he has laid out for you to walk. You are not becoming who it is that he has called you to become. And today you need to say, you know what? I need your light. And I prayed that for myself this morning. God, shine your light on the dark places of my life. If there's something that needs to be exposed, God, expose it so that it can be released. Because sometimes there are things that we hold on to that we're not even aware of. Sometimes there are things inside of us, a hate, an anger, this, that, and we're not even truly aware of it. But God says, you know what? If you'll let me, I'll expose it. And I will expose it so that I can heal it. He wants to turn the lights on. Boom. And he can do it for you today, but you've got to make the choice. I'm responding to the light. And that's the problem in this setting. When Jesus tells everyone, I'm the light of the world, many still rejected him and started figuring out a way they could arrest him and kill him instead of receive him. And a lot of us today can be in the temple and the candle stand can be in our midst And we can celebrate the light of God and never walk in the light of God because we don't understand that he is the light of the world.